Hi everyone, I am Stephen Drew from the Architecture Social and I'm lucky to be joined by Emily Foster, who is an architectural apprentice at AHMM. Emily, thank you for joining me, especially on a Friday night. How yeah. are you? No, I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. We're living it up right now, aren't we? So Friday night, I've got nothing here but glasses of water and we're in coronavirus world, but that doesn't stop the fun happening. We're going to have a bit of fun anyways. Yeah. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I thought you were going to say something after that. <laughs> oh my! That is the tone of it. Oh, we go. We managed to get a horn in already. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, Friday night. Friday fun. Friday fun and learning. Do you think yeah. that we can do it? Learning and fun exists. We'll see. We'll see if we can make this fun. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so Emily, I was curious about the architectural apprentice scheme. So. I done my part one and part two. Back in the old days, when dinosaurs were walking the world, I was going to the university in Westminster part one because I feel that old sometimes. But basically, things have changed since then. Things have changed since I've been a part one, and you can do you can do this kind of a, you can do this apprentice scheme, and I think it's from from what I can what I know of the scheme. It seems really a really interesting way an accessible way to learn architecture to practice architecture while studying how have you how first of all maybe how did you, what made you decide to study architecture well i'm not the sort of person who was like oh well since when i was three years old i've always wanted to do architecture i kind mm. of um i mean when i was 12 i saw Sant Pompidou and thought, thought, wow, that's amazing. Um, but I didn't think, oh, I can design something like that. I can go on to do something. I uh, just put it aside on pause for a second. Yeah. And then what, what kind of got me into it was just before going into sixth form, I was very lucky to have an amazing art teacher who okay. um, literally before we got into the sixth form she emailed all the art students students and said look there's this program called the accelerate program where ucl and partnered with um, a bunch of architecture practices um, yep. to give students from um, underprivileged <laughs> underprivileged backgrounds <laughs> yep, okay. to uh, show them what architecture is all about and um, get them interested so that's how I met AHMM, the current practice that, that I'm at. Amazing. Um, they were my mentors. So this is in 2016. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's how I got introduced to the world of architecture. It was really amazing. I got to uh, be mentored by two real life architects and wow. just go go into the office and see what it's like. Um, look at the like model making workshop. Um, just have a bit of fun with it really and like look look to see what it's all about that's that's fascinating so you sign up to the apprentice scheme and is it almost like going to hogwarts with the with the the hat that chooses which house you're in and it's like you are going to be with ahmm and you're like ah. wow 
Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I want <laughs> that would be pretty cool, actually. Um, well, do, do you have any info? Because the thing is, I know AHMM, and they're a really successful architecture practice. And actually, any architecture practice that you're going to be an apprentice with, um, you're going to learn a lot from whether it's a famous one or not. Yeah, uh, AHMM though is a great company. And so, at the time, did you know much about AHMM? Well, they when they said they were going to be your uh, mentors so so this is so 2016 that was mm-hmm. when i was mentored by them um mm-hmm. it's part of this accelerate scheme and that's right. when i was first introduced to them so that's okay it, so it's pretty amazing how i knew them before so i when i decided to apply to an apprenticeship so this would be right years later after a levels so normally to apply to an apprenticeship um you would need to have done your GCSEs and A-levels and you apply, you can apply alongside your UCAS. So you can apply to to do the apprenticeship in the normal route through UCAS and then also okay. apply to an apprenticeship. So the difference between the apprenticeship and the degree path is, so degree, you do your three years um, doing your bachelor's and then going on to do your year out. Mm. The apprenticeship route is four years so mm-hmm. you study your degree part-time. So I go into university one day a week and then the rest of the week, four days a week, I work. Um, so it's pretty nice doing that um, kind of like seeing the, the two different worlds. So I still get yeah. that freedom of doing those more creative things. Like for my last project, I did a, I designed a mushroom farm <laughs> oh, wow. at London South Bank University where I do the, the um, my bachelor's. And then I get to look at work on real life projects, um, working at HMM. It's brilliant. Amazing. That's definitely interesting. So I went into architecture, did my part one full time. And I was lucky in third year that I went for, I think it was like three to four weeks at an architectural practice. And you kind of led the ropes there. It was kind of a shell shock at the time though it was definitely a wake to the system and then when then when you go into your part one it can feel an overwhelming uh it can be very overwhelming because yeah. you, you don't know that world and it is such a oh, juxtaposition compared to the more theoretical side of studying architecture whereas i imagine what's interesting about your course it kind of grounds you right so it's yeah, not a shock definitely. to you at all. So do you find then that you, what you did in practice informed, because you touched upon that you did quite some creative projects, but did the, did your architecture, uh, your experience in architecture inform your academic work? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, what's, so as part of the um, apprenticeship, you're given a mentor at your practice. Mm. Um, so normally you're given a mentor to work with you uh, throughout your whole apprenticeship. Um, mm. Whereas for me, uh, because I'm at a, a big practice, I get to work on uh, different teams as well as different projects. So every Great. six months I switch teams, which I think happens anyway for um, uh, people doing their year out or uh, working do, in, yeah. in architecture practices. Um, so I switch mentors as well. So I get all these like, meet all these different people and gain lots of insight from from these different people um and i've also ha- have a 
network, a kind of network of apprentices at HMM already. So I'm the only level six, so architectural assistant apprentice at HMM. And then there are five, uh, five other level seven, five, five level seven apprentices. So these guys are the ones who do their masters, their part two and part three through the apprenticeship route. Um, so that's, that's really amazing. I get feedback on my, uh, university work as well as like knowing how to work efficiently like get um all this insight from people who have gone through it before that's interesting and so you might have touched upon it a bit there so if you're level six what's level one ah okay so <laughs> sorry is that silly no it's not silly at all i didn't know this um even though okay. so if you go through ucas you might mm-hmm. see so when people apply they ask for, or oh, what's your level two qualification, level three. So level two is GCSE. So that's the level two oh. qualification level. And then level three is um, A-levels uh, or pre-U. I did pre-university. It's the same. Um, and that's there's also an art foundation, which I did. So I took a year out after doing my A-levels because I wanted to gain more okay. experience and I... Um, wanted to have that time to do work experience at different practices. Um, mm-hmm. So my mentors were really helpful in that. I got um, uh, through through one of them, I got um, a contact in Hawkins Brown. So I did one week work experience there. And then Great. through just like sheer emailing <laughs> the practices that I liked, um, I also volunteered at 6A, not volunteered, what, did work experience at 6A Architects and 3D read. So that was really, uh, really nice because I think a key thing to do is to know whether you want to work at a smaller practice or a bigger practice because both of those experiences are really different. Um, so for me, for me, I liked have, I, I mean, I knew HMM, so it was a no brainer to go for them. And I Amazing. knew that they had a just really nice working environment and I knew I could get to see lots of different projects and work on different teams whereas for a smaller practice it's um it's it's rewarding to go for a smaller practice as well because you get to have more of an overall feel uh for a project so you can you might be able to see a project from start to end whereas uh for me i'm just shifting between lots of different ones um, amazing yeah sorry what was the original question hang on, i'm over uh, it, was way the le- it was the levels no you answered it yeah, really well yeah. yeah, you know, you, you did it. You definitely did it. And so, because it's quite interesting, the visual. So you've effectively were, you started your apprentice scheme in 2016. So uh, you, no, I, hang on, I may have confused it a bit. So 2016, that's my, I had completed GCSEs. Yeah. And I went on to do an accelerate into university right. scheme in conjunction with UCL and um, various architecture practices, including AHMM. And that's how I found out about them. So I had this year-long mentoring scheme with them yeah. where I learned about architecture. And this is in which year? 2000 So this is 2016. And... Yeah. So I did my A-levels for those the two years after. Completed yeah. my A-levels in 2018. I... Knew about the apprenticeship scheme beforehand. It's right. it was still in its kind of early days. There weren't many apprentices. Maybe it'd gone yeah. through one cohort. Um, mm. But I originally was going to go for. I had an offer at the Bartlett, uh, okay. but I didn't 
make the grades, <laughs> which oh, I think right. was the best thing that could have ever happened to me, to be honest, because I had this apprenticeship thing in the back of my mind thinking, oh, I really prefer doing that because then I get actual experience um, and like just really get stuck into it. So that's how I got into this foundation year afterwards at Ravensbourne University. Uh, so this is 2018 was the A-level results day afterwards okay. Ravensbourne and that's how and then afterwards the way the um so earlier you were talking about sorting hats and how how you how they you decide which uh uh practice you go with uh, the whole process so the way it works is first you go for your office so the mm. place you want to work at so you just apply directly to them or um, some practices put up adverts saying we're looking for apprentices but a right. lot of the time like all the apprentice people that i know mostly approached companies and set informed like you have to educate there's a level of education involved here where you have to educate practices about the apprenticeship um explain to them the situation how great it is <laughs> um i mean it really is great you get paid uh yeah. you're debt free so you don't pay student tuition uh for the university that you go to so that's wow. i think paid by the government um, wow i mean it's great i mean you gain insight into working at an architecture firm um and you get to apply that knowledge the knowledge that you gain from university immediately into practice <laughs> amazing. amazing yeah so hang on so this is the discovery here so you're saying that you do not pay nine thousand pound per year because it's subsidized by the government because of all the good work you do contributing to the industry contributing to the wider goods of architecture and construction yeah it's kind of cool yeah, it's yeah. Cool. <laughs> oh i like it oh i gotta turn my phone off my phone's on i'm not very professional is it but i think maybe someone on the phone is equally impressed equally yeah. impressed by the scheme that is amazing because that actually i remember that in the year before me because i started in a uh, university so in 2006 and they just about introduced the fees up to three thousand pounds and i came from humble roots my parents were really really supportive of me they always tried to give whatever they could I just had still had to do a bit of work. So my part-time job while studying architecture was working at Waitrose and it was still good experience because you learn stuff and dealing with people. Yeah. Uh, I, but the apprentice scheme definitely has a lot of value. There's so much value. Yeah. But now, so you're talking of a full year of university is 9,000 pounds before you even get going. And so you're alleviated from that because you're jumping straight into the economy and you're helping you're helping the practice out. But what is interesting from what you're saying is you've effectively started the job search while you've been an apprentice because, as you said, you've got to educate companies. And what's interesting is I agree, if, you, if you're not aware of it from their point of view, so what's an, there's a few incentives that you highlighted from your perspective. In terms of the employer, I imagine they also get – a for so if there's any employers listening here in terms of the scheme being interesting they get must get is it a tax break as well or they get uh, the government pays towards your salary is yeah, there something I, like that involved? i think um they they put aside uh this pot of money uh mm -hmm. that goes towards apprenticeships this um i think it's the apprenticeship levy and yeah. um so they have this amount of money that they've put aside <laughs> if they don't spend that on having their own apprentices then that money automatically 
just zooms off and goes into this massive pot of money that distributes to smaller practices. So that's how smaller practices are able to have their own apprentices. Got it. So there's a pot and basically they can take advantage of it or not. And it's there. So it's, so it helps them as a business and it helps you out. And obviously this is given back to the industry. So yeah, great scheme. And actually from an employer's perspective, why I would be interested in this because in a traditional sense, when you get a part one, there's sometimes a slim chance they've worked part time during their studies, the old fashioned way, which was like I knew someone that would do a, um, a day or two per week, a little bit in the office. Um, but uh, by and large, an architectural assistant, when they come out, it needs to be trained up anyways. So and then there's no uh, government pot there so from your so if i'm an employer so let me get this straight so if i'm hiring you as an apprentice you've already worked in industry because you've done it for how many years two or three years or something while studying yeah so this is this be four years uh so this so, four years for the part one yeah so by the time you finish you've got your part one as an apprentice you have worked four years in industry Okay. And so that's a massive advantage. I'd be very inclined to go with you because from putting my employer's hat on, then I would be thinking, Emily, you're quite a safe pair of hands because you're familiar with the culture of an office, the procedures and so forth. Because there's a lot of things that when, as you know, when you go to an artificial practice now, that as I say, AHMM, I imagine a lot of models, um, a lot of buildings are modeled in BIM. So you understand how to access a BIM model, how not to crash it, how <laughs> files are set up in, in the company, how Aaron Perry set up everything, right? I'm guessing on yeah. all this stuff. You know, how it all trickles down into uh, how 300 employees organize a practice. You know liability, you know uh, that drawings need to be signed off. You learn all the things. Yeah. How to go about your job, where files are, how to start doing a detail, what are the company procedures. And they are the things that a traditional part one like myself when you join you kind of have to learn in the first few weeks which is kind of which is definitely a system shock it was for me you can do it every week there's so many people that have done it so you kind of have a step up but it's not almost like it's unfair because you've worked during it you're working it's not as if and this is the distinction we got here so it's a great opportunity point is though you're working right and so if you're not performing then that's not going to work right because they have a choice to keep you or not as well i'd imagine isn't it it's it's effectively the apprentice scheme is an employment so obviously you want to do well but what i'm saying is you're not it's not like you're rocking in there and opening up the newspaper you get serious Mm. tasks so i mean (laughs) so let's not go into any project confidentials or anything like that in terms of a general sense though what kind of projects did you work on have you worked on any big schools or big residential schemes what kind of responsibilities without without giving project details away have you seen as an apprentice so that people can get a flavor of the kind of tasks they work on yeah so i mean so i've been working for a year so i'm about to go into my second year well i am in my just begun my second year (laughs) um i've worked i've really worked on so many things so i've worked on like like master plans offices residential uh 
like different different scales as well. So it could be like um, uh, just uh, uh, like four a group of like four flats maybe, or like massive like ta- residential yeah. towers. Like it's it's pretty amazing. I've worked on like lots of, like various things. It's pretty yeah. It's amazing. That's cool because. That I always um I've got a flashback to when I was here um in my third year and I I was de- the the good thing when you're studying architecture and you kind of touched upon it a bit is that there is something nice about in university being free to do create a project such as mushroom uh, factory or what have you I had a similar thing where these kinetic apartments but what was hilarious I look back and I am. Um, I had no grounding or let me rephrase that it was completely wild and I wouldn't know where to begin detailing it or how the building stood up I mean I got a 2-1 but it was that year out in industry afterwards that in my part 2 then started to make the because let me rephrase it so I think it's important to be imaginative. And then in my part two, the buildings were more imaginative yet realistic because in my year out, you kind of, you get, you get, you think, oh my gosh, you can't do that in real life. Or so it informs it in a way which is stronger and better. That's my opinion. I mean, that's something. Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. I love it. Go on. It's good. That's something. That's something I, um, I can definitely see in, um, the cohort that I have of apprentices. Mm. So at London South Bank University, there are about 20 of us, all from different areas of the UK. So there's someone who comes all the way from Durham uh, for that um, one day a week. Although now it's, uh, he's probably very happy because we're all doing it from home. uh, So he doesn't have to commute. Um, Oh yeah. But yeah, uh, there are lots of different expertise. So uh, lots of people are good at Revit, Archicad, because of that, uh, the, the practicing at work and constantly using it and i can see that their designs are more re- edging towards the realistic but still really imaginative and amazing um nice. i can definitely see that i mean it's it's brilliant and then you've got you, what's amazing what's nice as well is that we get to mix with the full-timers as well so they they've got more knowledge perhaps on the theory side and um they are they're more free with it so we learn uh, from them and then from each other it's it's yeah and they, they learn from us as well so it's kind of a two-way street that sounds it, i mean to me it's definitely something i would have seriously considered and so there must be because you mentioned the word cohorts and there's more and more people are doing it so because the awareness I, I never even heard of it so from a recruitment perspective it's only like this year really i'm starting to see people or practices talking about the architectural apprentice and what was interesting is you're touching upon the bursary that the government has provided and i've heard that a little bit what is interesting though is that i imagine in the next two or three years this will start becoming more and more prevalent and actually uh, it sounds like a better way of doing things uh what i kind of like as well is that you've got options of Imagine in the future, you can still have people doing it 100% theoretical before jumping into practice as well as getting the industry experience. So when do you, do you still have to do a year out then? Like in, in a, like a part one? Mm, so for me, I don't do a year out because I'm already mm. kind of doing the industry part. You're already part. out. You're out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm already You're out. out. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, uh, in terms of like recording, like because I in the normal in the normal one, you have to record um, everything that you're doing in order for you to be able to do the stage three and uh, not stage three. What I'm saying, part three at the end. Mm. Um, so for us, we have to record. We have to have twenty percent off the job learning. So that sounds really fancy but it's basically as long as you go to university so that's one day of the five day week so that's 20 yeah. percent already but then you've got the summer where you're not going to university but you're still working so you need to provide uh off the job learning at at uh, work so that's when you put in stuff like cp any cpds that you've right. um, gone to or even like work shadowing um or, or Revit training as well. At the, I've, at the moment, I've been doing that, and I've got uh, Revit training coming up in a bit too. Ooh. So, yeah, that's that's exciting. <laughs> wow, that's definitely interesting. So, you got masses of. So, on one hand, we got massive experience. Let's say in the traditional sense. So we know that being an architect from beginning to end, if you do your year out and then you literally jump on board uh, and do your part free straight away, start to end to become a qualified architect, you're looking at seven years and that's cramming it. How yeah. long would it take to be a qualified architect on the apprenticeship scheme? So part one is four years and then mm-hmm. you've got another um, three years to do the level seven architect apprenticeship. So that's same time. Oh, is it three years? Oh no, sorry, I may have, I've got that wrong. It's two years, and then plus a term of kind of um, part time, part time stuff. Mm. So it's okay. um, roughly the same, but you gain more industry experience. Yeah, which is going to help during the part three exam, probably. Yeah. So I'd imagine, because the idea when I was building a part two, before I went through recruitment, I mean, the idea in your head, you build it up and your part three exam is uh, quite, you're like, oh, they're going to ask me all kinds of questions. So actually, the amount of experience you get is really useful. So it sounds all quite positive to me. You Are you enjoying it then so far? Yeah, sounds it's, like you are. it's really amazing. I mean... Um, at the um, beginning I remember being really intimidated even though I'd kind of been there before um, just kind of being in the adult environment um, which Mm. is why I think I definitely recommend doing a um, art foundation beforehand because it's free and it's just a year of exploring and seeing what what you want to do and who you are Mm. Um, so I definitely recommend that rather than going straight from A-levels to working because I think that's quite a daunting step so doing doing that year beforehand really helped to kind of transition um and like everyone at the office is just amazing super lovely i kind of feel like i have a network of mentors i can just reach out to anyone and uh, they'd be happy to help it's really cool that's so cool and so it sounds like ahmm are quite a supportive company and and your impression in working there you you enjoy working with ahmm clearly right yeah i mean they're also part of the um trailblazer um group so they're part of they're one of the companies that helped to set it up in the first place so they're very knowledgeable about the apprenticeship um so i've got a lot of support from on that angle um so that's, I mean, that's also perhaps something to look at. Um, 
when when applying guys <laughs> i love it yeah that's interesting and simon um now with his re he heads up re well he's a heading up re he's always been quite supportive of students actually isn't he so i think it's uh, it makes sense that hmm are champion of the way in terms of architectural apprentices yeah. i love this game i definitely want to see more of it what um sounds like you've got no regrets there would you give it you touched upon briefly a little tip then and what i found was interesting is that we definitely talked about in terms of you have to sometimes educate companies and then once they understand the scheme then they want to take advantage is there any tips that you would would give to anyone considering both the traditional uh, route and your route is there any thoughts or tips you'd have there well i think you have to consider that uh, for university it's quite it's an amazing experience to do that uh, the normal route of just going to university for those three years and then doing your, your year out um, because you get to just fully because um, I'm at the moment, I'm living at home. I'm based right. in London, so it's quite easy to be able to commute. Well, back when we were commuting uh, to HMM. Um, so I'm saving a bit of money from doing that. Um, Great. But I guess I'm, what I'm missing out on is that university experience of hanging out with other students, having that kind of university life, maybe living independently if I was going to university outside of London. So there's that uh. area of things to think about. Um, whereas uh, I think with the apprenticeship, you're able to apply what you're doing in real life situations. So all the, you know that the knowledge and s stuff you're learning is real that you're you can directly apply it whereas maybe at university you might be um it's more maybe theoretical more like on the creative side depending on which university you go to i think um, yeah but i think that's I a fun thing about university sometimes being able to explore yeah. that's the thing that's missing i think i mean i get to do that on those days at university so i'm grateful for that um so that's definitely something to consider guys Yes, yeah, interesting. You touched upon that, isn't it? So, yeah, because you're effectively working. I can see what you mean because, and, and again, I'll get out, if you could see me here, because I know this is a podcast, I'm getting out my air quotes here, but I've heard alleged things from studying. And I think the, the first year from certain people's experience, I don't know who that could be. Definitely not me. Uh, is that the so first year? Yeah, you, you do learn and you do all that stuff. But for me, it was a laugh. Oh, I, I said for me, I rumbled myself already. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, maybe I had a bit of fun doing it as well as, as we all did. And there's definitely a case of doing all the architecture, the eye rolls almost of leaving things to the last minute. Do I've definitely spent, oh, I said it again. I I might have... I might have definitely okay. I'll confess. I in first year you put things to the last minute. You kind of do all the crazy stuff. You do the print and you do the late nights. Completely the opposite way of doing it. At the end of my part two, during my part two, I was definitely on form and I think I did one or two all nighters. But uh, I think for my part one, I did definitely a lot of all nighters. Definitely a lot of having fun on campus. And yeah, it's that romantic. I know what you're on about. You're saying maybe the downside is you miss the romantic notion of being at uni, being in the dorms, being aloof, or you know, going on that crazy night out, or talking poetry and having crazy nights, uh, mm. staying up till the break of dawn. And yeah, and there is a bit of that. But let me tell you. 
you. That is definitely a romantic notion, and is and it's, and bless every student right now who's locked up because of coronavirus. Uh, it's not a, the the idea that that um, that image or that idea is slowly slipping away. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying because I wouldn't have changed mine, and I look back and it was fun. At the same time, though, I do think there's definitely a value of working your uh, years out. I'm not your years out. Doing being an architectural apprentice gives you something which springboards you and your career going forward. It's almost. It sounds like quite a mature way to do the course. Yeah. The, to study. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to be even more disciplined uh, with your time, mm. uh, which is something that you're constantly like learning throughout like uh, doing it doing the apprenticeship so balancing your university work with doing um uh, with with working because you have to work on university work in the evenings and the weekends rather than if you were going to university you'd have that kind of studio culture you would um i still have a bit of studio culture when i go into university um Mm. but you know you have your dedicated slots where you're working um whereas you have to kind of allocate it yourself um in the spare time you have so that's something else to consider when doing the uh university pure university thing versus the apprenticeship route so that's right. that's something yeah basically it's not like you can rock up hungover at 11 o'clock and sneak into the back of the of the <laughs> of the class you know if the class is tuesday and you're at AHMM, it's not a class it's actually work yeah. and if you rock and if you rock up hungover that's going to be a painful working day for you struggling dying <laughs> behind the desk on revic or oh, I hate my life. <laughs> yeah okay so i get it you it's so the pros and cons pros massive experience not really a con but it's more like you just need to be aware of you're effectively a professional uh, yeah. straight away so you can't you can't rock up uh, if hang over every day of the week okay fair enough really isn't it i think so that's really interesting and thank you for that that's been a marvelous insight so maybe i'm quite keen to learn one or two things while, while i got you and i really appreciate your time so uh, you're in it sounds like you're enjoying it just first yeah. of all 100 right, cool that's no awesome and and you still you were you were in the scheme you were enthusiastic about getting your path free right and going the whole way I'm guessing. Well, at the moment I'm taking it every day as it comes, like every like year as it mm. comes. Maybe I mean that's another cool thing about the apprenticeship is that after your four years, you might think, oh, I love this practice, I'll stay, or you could go to a different practice and do your um, part two slash part three. So that's the level seven apprentice apprenticeship at another place so that's that's pretty amazing as well great so i want to make that that. clear (laughs) yeah you're not stuck it's like it's 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 basically like a job it's where you want to do you could be like ahmm i've loved part one i'm gonna stay if you'll have me or you could be like thank you very much as uh i think it's important i see different perspectives so i know where ahmm have done it the right way or maybe i can learn how another company like Hawkins Brown do it a different way. I think that's definitely interesting. All right. Fantastic. And do you have much time outside of your job and studying or is it full on? You touched upon it briefly when we talked before. It's your, it's a full-time job in a way because you, you're on the contract. You have your Mm. allocated holiday times, the same as any other employee. Um, 
I mean, I was, I am the sort of person who really likes doing like extracurricular things and like going around doing, doing things. So I think the other, the other month, the, during uh, August, I went to um, the Basque country and did this amazing model making course. Uh, Wow. Really cool. Um, So that was for about a week and that, I found that really rewarding and I'm, I really feed off doing doing those sort of things and going to exhibitions and going to art galleries and what i find from ahmm is that a lot of people who um work there are exactly the same like they um they love they love go there are lots of people who love going to um these these different things we have a sketch club which is really amazing we do like um so i think we're going to be taking part in inktober and we're going to be doing it um as a group so we're going to be um meeting up and sharing our drawings that's and and really nice thing about HMM having that kind of social side so that, that was Amazing. a really important thing for me uh, that makes complete sense well look Emily I really value all the time you've given especially no when I'm asking all these crazy questions you're like what are you want about talking about Hogwarts so sorry it was my analogy <laughs> but we got we I got there in the end thank goodness you know you think and I've definitely learned a lot I've learned a lot from this. So if anyone has any questions or anything, are they okay to message you on the architecture social? Yeah, no problem. I mean, I've, whenever, sometimes whenever I see people who say, oh, I'm interested in doing apprenticeships, I get in contact with them going, hey, I'm an apprentice. I can give you lots of information. So I'm more than happy if people uh, message me and say, I'm interested, tell me more. So absolutely no problem fantastic so i really appreciate all the stuff that you're doing on the architecture social as well and you're on linkedin for anyone not in the social and they want to listen so you could we can find you on linkedin or on the architecture social so emily any questions you want to ask me none (laughs) let's Um, bring it on uh, out of curiosity have has anyone approached you um, as a recruiter asking about the apprenticeship yeah good question no short answer no as no, no not an architecture not an architecture but i did have a uh, so um, a client that i've known for many years who does construction and mm. been, and he mentioned about it so i think i think that in construction it's much wider it's, it's much more known it's much more we heard about. And I think yeah. the architecture is trickling in. What you will find though, and I, I talked to this about my team next week, I'm going to, I'm going to do a live webinar where we're going to talk about demystifying recruitment because a lot of people don't understand how it works. And that makes sense because no one talks about how recruitment works, the yeah. good parts and the crazy parts. So we're going to do that. What you'll find though is a general rule of thumb. A company will not approach a recruitment consultant for part one positions because mm-hmm. they're entry roles. And I completely get that as well, because the way recruitment works in short is that I'm normally brought on when you in the future are running, um, let's pretend you're, you've become a healthcare expert and you've got a big hospital and you've got a job coming up and you need to fill your team full of people and you can probably find an apprentice and train them up, but you need an architect that's done three or four years of, uh, uh, hospitals 
yeah. or labs. And so you'll say, Steve, I need you to find this person with Revit. They need to have oh, okay. that because that's the need. And then I will go, fine, uh, that takes X amount of time. If I find this person, then there is a fee involved because I've gone out of my way and found someone. Mm. So recruitment is generally used when there's a particular need or niche. And so when you've got a part one or an apprentice, they're kind of training you in to what they need is, isn't it? They probably got a project architect or and a few part twos who, who help steer you. So that's yeah. generally why I don't, I'm not briefed on part one roles is very, very rare. And I haven't been briefed on an architectural assistant, uh, sorry, an architectural apprentice. Uh, what I would say is that I, when discussing recruitment needs, I haven't heard predominantly much uh, talk about architectural apprentice. It's starting to trickle in this year. As in, I'm starting to see a few more architectural practices advertise architectural apprentices and start to talk about them when I have a discussion with them on the strategic level, let's say, well, we've got this level and we, we've got so many part twos and architectural apprentices. Oh, now, cool. Yeah, that sentence was never there before. It would be architectural assistance. So I think what it, you hit the nail on the head when we were talking of, I think there needs to be a little bit more work on raising awareness of the apprenticeship scheme. Yeah. And actually, as a business owner right now in coronavirus world, it's probably really helpful, you know, that this bursary is there. So I think that the, the need for architectural apprentices will grow more and more. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that gives you an insight. And I will, I will go into recruitment. We will talk about recruitment a bit more next week to explain it to everyone. Awesome. Uh, hopefully that helps. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I don't think I'd, I think you're the first architecture like recruiter I've been in contact with. Like I didn't, mm. haven't, I'm not really clued up in this kind of world. So um, <laughs> yeah, and that's, it makes sense. And I, truth be told, even when I was part one and a part two, I never used a recruitment consultant, nor do you need to as a part one. And recruitment consultants, you get more and more experience with down the line a few more years in your career. And normally it would be, let's hypothetically say in the future, you've worked in a company for a few years and you might find that you're looking for a particular different set of skills. So you might be working on certain projects or maybe let's pretend you're working in a different practice in the HMM because it's a completely different company you've gone to and you've been working long hours, which you've done because you've got good experience, but now you're, you have a family in the future, Emily, and you're thinking, I can't do them hours anymore. I need to go to somewhere which works less hours and, somewhere that can build upon the sectors and, and that's what normally i would come in we would speak and i'd go okay you you know this these famous architectural practices you're still going to get the long hours and uh. based upon your sectors and the software you've got have you thought about these companies and it could be joe blogs one to the and you might go never yeah. hear of them and then you look <laughs> and then i have to tell you a bit about the company culture and we work out where you live, we work out, we go through the whole matchmaking process. Now, in coronavirus world, it is a bit more difficult because 
before uh, it was what was called a candidate's market. Now, a candidate is a term used. It sounds a bit like Alan Sugar on The Apprentice, and that's what it is, a candidate, yeah. a client. But uh, in short, what it meant is before uh, coronavirus, uh, say now you keep going the way you're going and you have all this experience, then in a nice way, when you come out, you've got a choice of where you want to go. Now it's a lot more difficult as in, a client can be an architectural practice can be very strict upon their requirements and they, because there's more people looking. So yeah. if a company is in a particular, in a point to hire someone, they can, they have a lot of choice. And so things have changed and recruitment's changed for that. And so before it was working out a person's needs and identifying a few companies for it. Now it's what I do is I work with a client and I have to go out and find exactly what they want. And that can be difficult right now because you can speak to talented people and I have to say, I have to be truthful and say, I don't have a role for you right now. And that doesn't mean that the person's not good. They can be amazing. Unfortunately though, because of the requirements right now, it may, if, if you haven't worked for three years on hotels, you might not get the role. And so generally that's how recruitment works right now. So next week I'll go into it. Um, in more detail. Now, the best thing that you said along that vein in this podcast, which was interesting, is that you effectively have done the role of recruitment for yourself. You have to educate the client on architectural apprentice is, you know, there's there's business incentives for doing it. And the way it works is X, Y, Z. So they... Yeah. They they benefit from what the government's doing, and they get you on board. And that education is key because at first, I imagine some of the reactions are, "Oh, we we don't do that." I'm sorry, yeah. and that's not because they're being rude or anything. They just don't know. Yeah, they just don't like, know. I, I yeah, mean, we, with with HMM, I was lucky in the fact that they knew. They knew already. They mm. were part of creating the whole thing. They knew. Mm. And when I was looking up. Um, typing in architectural assistant apprentice on Google. There weren't many adverts back, back yeah. when I was <laughs> typing that in. No. But I think um, PDP was another one that knew about it. Um, okay. But I think the best way to do it is to get work experience first and like kind of get your foot in the door and kind of see mm. if you like the practice, uh, have a feel. And then maybe at the end of the work experience going, hey, there's this apprenticeship um, would you be happy taking me on? So I think that's the kind of route to go for. Because if you think about it, these guys, they're taking on uh, someone with no, no experience. Uh, they've, they've just come out of A-levels, um, maybe foundation year if they're lucky. Um, so I think doing work experience beforehand like, it's definite, definitely helps. And I also, not not necessarily the big ones, or if if they're not advertising, just shoot them an email and just inform them that way. Yeah, that makes complete sense because one of the a few of the 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 kind of the webinars that I did on the social during this time was talking to people about trying to get industry experience 
because then what you're doing is you're showing that you've worked in a practice, you're showing that you understand how an architectural practice is set up. And basically what you're doing there is you're de-risking yourself. And so with yourself, when you've done work experience at AHMM, there's that element of, yeah, you make, you obviously you try and make a good impression. And yeah. so let's say you do that from an employer's perspective, if I'm hiring, I, I'd be like, okay, Emily's already worked you for three weeks on Jeff's team. Jeff, what was Emily like? Yeah, she was good. She was really good. Da, da, da. And you go, oh yeah, let's get Emily in. This takes the sting out of it because you're then a known quantity. And when I say quantity, I don't mean like ones and zeros, of course, with people. What I mean is they know that you have you are reliable in some shape or form because you've already gone in there, you've proven your worth, and you understand architectural practice. You understand yeah. a bit more. And therefore that's that's kind of inching you towards it. So that's one of the massive gains, I think, with this apprenticeship scheme is that you're effectively getting yourself in the door. You're effectively de-risking yourself. But it's not all doom and gloom. If you think if you're on a part one and you're like, oh, no, why did I not do an apprentice? No, don't worry. You can still do it. And you've got yeah. to remember what you're saying is the pros and cons. So if you're on a part one, you've had three years to have a bit of a giggle. You've had a three years to learn to be super hypothetical. And okay, when you jump into practice, you can have a shell shock for a week or two. Okay. Pros and cons. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Whereas in your world, you're going to be a bit more souped up, ready for practice because you've been there. Um, what was interesting and quite humble was what you're talking about of maybe do I not have that campus feel? And so always pros and cons with everything. So it's all about looking forward. And what we're saying is if you're the kind of person that wants to jump in, then Emily, you're giving the scheme a thumbs up from your experience. Yeah, 100%. And also if you're a part one and you think, oh, I haven't done the apprenticeship, you could always do the apprenticeship for your part two slash part three. So No way. I, mean, you could I get, didn't know that. I, I said it earlier. <laughs> oh, um, I'm just, I, I think it's because there was so much info. It's, it's in so my, much in, in, yeah, because you, I didn't, I, yeah, you, okay. So you, yeah. Can, you can elect to do it for your part two. So, Ooh. yeah, so your part, part one, uh, level six architectural assistant apprenticeship, then you can do two, Amazing. two years of uh, your level seven architect apprenticeship. So there are, uh, I think five five of them at my my practice, and I'm the only okay. kind of bachelor's level level six uh, apprentice. So you could always do it afterwards. So you can have both best of both worlds. Really, you can have that university experience wow. and then go on to do the apprenticeship. Okay, cool. So you can you can go. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to do my part two there. That is really interesting, and I think clearly my brain is shutting down around me. It's like, oh no, Stephen, wake up, Stephen Drew, Stephen Drew. Hello, I'm fall asleep on this keyboard right now, and then half the podcast will be me snoring. So no, that's really really interesting. I just sometimes what it I think what it is is get in my head around it, and it's. I'm so intrinsically bashed into my head, the old formula, that this new formula is actually quite straightforward. Now you mention it, and I am surprised how flexible it is. So I really love that. So thank you, Emily. No I problem. really appreciate it. Thank you. And we all know where to find you. I'm going to go and wake up, have a coffee <laughs> on a Friday night. Thank you so coffee. much, Emily. No problem. Yes.